It is January 1st, 2021. Happy New Year. And this is the Robert Bruton Podcast Show. And I'm your host, Robert Bruton. And we are going to take a 60-second short break. And we're going to come back. I uh, uh, It's been uh, close to two months before, since we've made a uh, podcast. And the reason being is I was hospitalized with COVID-19. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and uh, we'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back. Um, just to kind of uh, give you a little heads up here, I do, uh, from the COVID-19, uh, which attacked my respiratory system, uh, it's a little difficult for me to breathe. Um, you'll hear probably an oxygen machine behind me. Uh, it's... Uh, I have to take oxygen uh, for now. Uh, hopefully that will go away. Um, I can't keep my oxygen level in my blood uh, drops down too much without uh, the oxygen. I've been home a couple of weeks now, and uh, I, I do. I, I am getting a little bit better, uh, but I just I wanted to. Uh, it was important for me to start the new year. And especially the new year since I got to come home uh, doing a, a show. Um, the show means a lot to me. And it's uh, something that, uh, that I, I really felt strongly about. So I may have to stop a few times uh, and put back on my oxygen. But uh, just bear with me and we'll talk, uh, talk a little bit about what happened and how I got, uh, uh, I don't know how I got sick other than I just picked it up the way anybody else would, just uh, uh, out. I would go to the public, out in public. Some places we would wear a mask, some places we wouldn't, to be totally honest. I don't know that a mask is 110% uh, going to prevent you from getting COVID-19. I do now have a little different res- uh, respect for a lot of things that are going on that people uh seem to have issue with. I do want to say this, though. This is very important. Um, I got to come home. Although I was very, very sick and um, very, very close to being put on a respirator, uh, I uh, got still got to come home. Um, not out of the woods 100% yet, but uh, I want to say that... Uh, so many people have don't get to come home, and there were people in the hospital uh, when I was there that they didn't go home. Uh, I talked to uh, nurses and doctors, uh, which, by the way, most of my, in fact, all of my nurses in the month that I was in the hospital, uh, all were from FEMA or from a company that contracts out um, nurses for uh, to help out when there's stuff like this. Um, my doctors uh, actually all were from FEMA. Uh, I did have one doctor that was from uh, that was tied to the hospital and the only time I ever saw a nurse that was actually uh, tied to our hospital uh, or the hospital that where I was at, uh, was my discharge nurse. And uh, 
everybody else was with FEMA and this other service. And I can tell you, they were amazing, absolutely wonderful and amazing people. Um, you know, I had the first uh, day when I was, or not the first day, but the first day I was actually somewhat coherent. Um, and I could talk to the nurse and I didn't have on a high flow oxygen mask. Um, and I could actually talk to the nurse. Uh, it was, she was with FEMA and, uh, from Missouri, I believe. And, uh, she had been working basically about 187 days with virtually no break. And, uh, it was, uh, quite amazing, uh, what this woman had been through and done and was actually getting to go home uh, for 10 days uh, during Christmas. So that was a big, a big thing. And, uh, uh, but anyway, I wanted to say to anyone that might be listening who has lost a family member to COVID, I don't take for granted the fact that I got to come home and that there are, are and continue to be folks that don't get to come home. Uh, there's uh, lots of people who've lost multiple family members. You know, I read a story and saw something where someone had lost six family members to COVID-19. And I'm like, good God, how, how does that, how, how, I, I just hard to get my head around that. And uh, hard to get ahead, my head around the fact that doctors and nurses are doing everything that they can to help. And it's difficult for them because there, there is so much, uh, so much death and, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, 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 to get your head around. It really is. Um, sorry. I, I just, uh, it means a lot to me that I got to come home. Uh, means a lot to me, the level of care that I got. And I just don't take that for granted, you know, and this is not, uh, a podcast where I've had some, you know, epiphany of life. Uh, it's just something where I'm showing respect to people that are uh, going through this, and, and especially folks that have lost family members and, and close family members. And so uh, God bless you, and I'm praying for everybody who suffers from this pandemic disease. Um, so forgive me, it's, uh, like I said, I, I'm, I have to be on oxygen. Uh, here at home, um, I'm on three liters of oxygen, four when I get up and move around uh, and sit down so I can re-catch my breath. I have an oxygen meter that uh, measures my oxygen in my blood that I watch sometimes. And I'll be honest, it gets a little frustrating because I sit here and when I'm on oxygen, I'm actually still not even up to a normal level, uh, but it just plummets when I get off of it. And I'm, you know, so you don't want to have to be on this all the time. I don't want to have to walk around with a damn oxygen machine. 
you know. So you have a a renewed respect and a renewed sense of uh, tolerance for uh, you know folks that that have to to you know it's it's hard to 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 think that you know some people have to deal with this every day I, you know I can't imagine you know I don't suffer from asthma but I certainly have a, a a respect for for adults and children who do suffer from it and what they go through because what got me to the hospital and we'll go through the kind of the chronological order but what got me to the hospitals I honestly couldn't breathe I felt like I was drowning and uh it was incredibly hard to get a breath, uh, and I really couldn't breathe. So, anyway, what uh, kind of the story? And I'm actually gonna, I'm actually uh, sitting down to uh, put this on paper and 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 put it out as a book because I think it's important that I share my experience um, that I want to share with. Uh, you know, my my uh, my sister went through a hell uh, when I got this, and the rest of my family, uh, because you know, here's the thing: is you you can't have someone in the hospital with you. Um, you can't have your friends or family around. Uh, uh, there were times when I honest, well, there were times when I couldn't talk on the phone. Uh, there were times when, when God loved them, family would call and insist that I get on the phone and I couldn't, I had on a damn, uh, high flow oxygen mask. And what was funny about this mask. And I told this to one of my nurses, I said, you know, when I was a kid, you know, when you played little league baseball and forgive me, ladies, I'm not trying to be gross, but you would wear a cup to protect uh, your boy parts, you know, so you wouldn't get hit and injured, uh, by a, a fast moving baseball. Uh, you know, there was a, some protection there. Uh, and so what was funny is, is this, uh, mask on this high flow oxygen thing looks exactly like a jockstrap cup. It's, it's, it's funny. I don't know why that came to me in, in, when I was in the hospital, but, uh, one of my nurses that I absolutely, uh, adored that took wonderful, wonderful care of me, uh, was from New York and she, uh, was a temporary, uh, part of the temporary staff that was there to help augment the, uh, the lack of staff for the amount of patients that they had. And, um, and there was an army field hospital there, uh, and that type of thing. So anyway, I couldn't talk on the phone and I just really didn't feel much like texting and God love your family because they don't really give out too much information. And sometimes like on the COVID floor that I was on, you know, these nurses are running their ass off. And they're trying to get to each patient. Um, each patient is in a sense in some critical state of need and care. And uh, it's very difficult for these 
women and men that do this to get from one place to the other because there were times when you know they'd be working on me and they would be with me for a while because I was going through uh, a hard episode where I couldn't breathe and they were increasing my uh, oxygen and uh, watching my vital signs and, and they couldn't leave me but I wasn't the only patient there. These folks had other patients that were just as critical as I was or more so. And uh, it was uh, it was something, to say the very least. So um, forgive me. The uh, what what happened and how this kind of started was back before. At the 1st of November, uh, my, my mom had gone back to uh, her home in South Texas, and uh, she had been there a while. She got stuck here visiting uh, my sister and I uh, when we were just getting ready to take her home, and the lockdowns started. And that, of course, has been, what, close to a year ago or so. And uh, so she was here for three or four months uh, because we couldn't take her home. Finally, when the travel restrictions and things kind of relaxed here in Texas, we were able to get her back home. Uh, She needed to go, you know, for her annual doctor visit and things like that. And and, uh, so uh, she was back at her home. And so she had been there for a couple of months, I guess. And we decided with some false sense of security or false sense of, you know, uh, maybe we were on the downhill side of, of the COVID pandemic. And, you know, I mean, you go to the store, people pretty much aren't wearing masks, you know, and I, I, and I do have a renewed thing about masks is, and not to get off what my, my story, but, you know, I don't know whether the mask works or doesn't work. It sucks to wear. It's hot. You know, you breathe your own air. You get dizzy. Um, Yeah, it totally sucks to wear. But at the end of the day, when you think about, you know, if it, whether it works or doesn't work, if there's the slightest chance that I'm not going to get sick, then, you know, what the hell's the big deal? Wear the freaking mask, you know? And that's the way I kind of look at it now. You know, if they ask me to wear a mask, that's fine. If they ask me to stay six feet away from you, I'm going to stay six feet away from you. But people had kind of stopped that. And you keep, and, and what sucks about what's happened with COVID-19 is it's been so politicized and politically weaponized to, you know, and, and I'm not taking, you know, this is not going to be a political uh, my my podcast is not political in any, you know, in any way. I, you know, there are certain times when I make a, a statement about something that's going on, but, you know, uh, uh, that I'm sad for riots and stuff like that. But what I'm sad about is, you know, you don't know what to believe in the media. You know, you've got you, you've got everybody pushing a narrative, everybody pushing an agenda, you know. And so, you know, when you're sick and when someone in your family that you love is sick, you don't give a shit about someone's political view. I could give a crap. What I want my 
my my government to do is to get me good information. If we're going to get help, then help us, you know, because all the while that you're making this political statement because you're driving some narrative, okay, families, my family and other families that, that I share the same struggle with now, you know, we don't give a damn about what your political views are. What I give a damn about is that if if the if you're going to help us, then help us. If you're going to give us money to help us get through, give us money to help us get through. Stop freaking arguing about it. And like this last round of of things where I'm sitting there going, they put all this other shit in a in a bill that honestly should have none of that. I don't know how you feel. And I think that most people who suffered from COVID-19 would agree or someone who's lost a family member to COVID-19. You need to be helping us right now. Yes, I'm all about, I, you know, it, it, but in, in the sense that whatever this package is needs nothing else surrounding it. It needs no pork, as you Washington yahoos want to call it. It needs to be about helping your fellow countrymen, helping your fellow citizens. And that's as political as I'm going to get in this, is that I don't understand how you could put all that bullshit in something that should be helping American families. Okay, yes, you can go do the things that you want to do. Help the Kennedy Center, help these other countries, do whatever it is you're going to do. Do it in another bill. Do it in an appropriate bill. This is about helping your countrymen, not helping, you know, uh, a nonprofit, you know. Anyway, it's neither here nor there at this point. And then, you know, uh, and offer some pittance to, you know, uh, families that have been hurting for months all the while you're drawing a paycheck, Mr. Washington and Miss Washington, you know, and you're, you're still getting a paycheck and there's lots of families and folks out there that aren't. So that's as political as I want to get with this because I really hope that this reaches families who are in the midst of, or God forbid may come up on, uh, either getting sick or um, having a family member get sick. And uh, I try to look at the positive from this, is although I've talked about, you know, that, that I respect the folks that have lost family members uh, to COVID-19, but, you know, the, the survivability rate, according to um, the CDC and things like that, is really high, you know, and so thank God. Um, but the illness is nothing to play with. It certainly got my attention, certainly scared the living hell out of me. Um, because there were times, uh, that I didn't think I was coming home and, uh, didn't really have a way to get in touch with anybody in my family, nor would it have been appropriate, I think in hindsight to, 
call and say, you know, hey, I may not make it because that would have made it already a horrible situation for a family member. Uh, that would have made it excruciatingly unbearable. Um, at least in my opinion. And and the opinion of, because of, I, I asked a nurse, I said, should I be telling my family goodbye? And she said, you can, but here's the thing. They can't come see you. They can't see you right now. And she said, if you make it, then the hell they would have gone through would have been unnecessary, you know? And uh, so you have to kind of make that decision that you're not going to say anything, even though they're asking you permission to hook you to, if they have to hook you to a respirator, uh, can they do that? Because you may not be coherent enough to make that choice when it's time to make that choice. Uh, and, uh, and that, you know, and your doctor telling you that's the, a last resort, you know, that that's going to be, and then you, all you hear is if you have to be put on a respirator, the chances of walking away from that are pretty remote. So it's all really scary. Um, and it, and it, you do get, you know, dangerously sick, uh, no doubt. Uh, although, for example, you know, let me go back. Okay, so we, we let me get back on, on the, the chronology of what got me in the hospital is, you know, about the 1st of November, we decided to bring my mother back because again, we're under a false sense of, of security that, you know, well, everything's pretty much okay. Vaccines on the way. Uh, you know, the, uh, the doctors are, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say the doctors, the media is, you know, uh, You've got some states that are going crazy with with it, you know, but you've got other states, and including my own, that's saying, you know, everything's pretty much okay. Um, and that, you know, uh, we try to get back to a safe semblance of normalcy, whatever that's going to look like. So we decide, my sister and I, that it's okay to bring my mom back to celebrate Thanksgiving and stay through Christmas. And then this weekend actually would have been the weekend that we would have taken her home. And so we bring her here. Um, everything's okay. My sister and I have no symptoms. We have no nothing. Uh, people in my work, uh, uh, there's been a couple people that have been out with it, but nobody... Um, you know, has been overly sick. And so about a week into a week or so, uh, her being here, uh, all of a sudden I get sick. Um, I wake up in the night one night, um, my pillow is soaking wet. Uh, I had to change shirts, uh, cause I'm sitting there and I had apparently just been sweating profusely, uh, while I was sleeping. And, uh, actually the heat came on and was blowing on me and I could, and you could, you know, how when you have, when your shirt's wet and, and wind is blowing on you, the, that cold, then that's the way it felt. And I woke up and I'm like, Jesus Christ, wow. So I get sick. And so it progressively gets 
worse. I called my doctor. Uh, my doctor said, hey, don't come in. I'm going to call you in a prescription. They called me in an antibiotic and they called me in a steroid. Um, and uh, so I began that. Uh, didn't really help much. Uh, then I went to um, the ER. I ended up uh, being short of breath and things like that. And so, uh, and I just was very, very sick. Um, felt like having the, a terrible case of the flu. And so I go to the, the hospital, they see me, uh, get me on some oxygen, everything. And he says, well, I'm going to send you home. Uh, they had done a, a, a COVID test and told me that I was, uh, tested positive for COVID-19 and they were going to send me home with uh, different antibiotic, and they were going to up my steroids, uh, and they were going to start me on a nebulizer with uh, a breathing treatment with that, and utilizing a nebulizer. Uh, started that, ended up in the hospital again, got sent home again. Then I wake up one night, and I, I felt like I was, I was, I was. Uh, drowning. You know, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't, I, I couldn't breathe. And by the time I got to the hospital, I was in pretty bad shape. Uh, I couldn't breathe. Um, my sister could only take me as far as the door. I had to wait at the back door while these nurses went and changed into, uh, and had the protective gear on that where they could actually handle and work with me. They isolated me in a room. They got me started on a high flow oxygen and my oxygen levels were falling. My everything that was going on, nothing was getting better. Um, so I told, uh, I went through some, uh, little trauma at the, uh, ER. I was, I was at a, a small town ER and, um, I told they were wanting to do a uh, chest, uh, a CAT scan of my chest, and I told the dude, I said, "Man, I'm, 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 uh, I'm very claustrophobic." I've said I can't. I, normally, I have to go somewhere where I can stand up, and it's kind of one of those open MRIs or open CAT scan things. I said I can't do that. I said, "No, no, no." no. We, I, I he said, I, "I'll talk to you." Anyway, the the guy ended up blowing out my vein blood was shooting everywhere while I was in the thing I was totally freaking out and uh that was the only time that I had a bad time in the hospital and I was trying to get out of this tube thing and it was horrible and so uh they get me out they get everything going then the nurse takes me back into the to the ER um I think they got a good enough shot uh, one time. And then, uh, so anyway, I get in there, they get me to calm down. And, uh, because I was freaking out from being in, I'm just very claustrophobic. I can't, like, I can't lay on my back in bed and things like that. There's just certain things I can't do. So anyway, we get in there and the doctor's doing everything they can. And, uh, he said, Finally, the doctor came in and he said, look, he said, I, he said, everything I'm trying with you is not working. He said, you're getting worse. So we're going to transfer you to a bigger hospital, a bigger facility that has more um, 
stuff. We don't have the proper breathing machines to help you. And uh, we've got you on high flow oxygen. And so anyway, they get me and start prepping me to move me. They take me in an ambulance that night. And my sister and my mother, um, you know, my sister dropped me off. My sister came back and I think she was crying and didn't know what, you know, and they were just scared because there was nothing they could do. So they drove over because from where I live is actually very close to the hospital. And they drove over to the end of the property and they stopped and they watched out this door. So anyway, they knew I was very sick. They knew I had COVID-19 because I had texted them and said, hey, I'm positive. You guys need to do everything you can to um, sterilize everything in the house, you know, and uh, which at that point, quite honestly, was uh, a day late and a dollar short. So I, uh, I'm getting transferred. They come and get me. Uh, guys in the ambulance were, you know, wearing something akin to a spacesuit, and and that's a scary feeling because these people come to you and it's you feel like you're in you're in the movie Outbreak, you know, it's it's uh, you know people are wearing all this protective gear. They're not they're being very cautious about touching you. They're being very cautious about you know how they're doing, which you completely understand. It still doesn't make it easy to go through. So these guys go and they said, and they said, look, we can't, when they started switching me over to their oxygen, my oxygen started plummeting. And, and so at that point, um, there's, there's no helicopters available. And the guys like, okay, we're going to, uh, we're going to take you, but we're going to have to take you the siren and lights. We're going to have to really go uh, at the fastest pace we're allowed to go and get you to the hospital. I said, okay, that's fine. Whatever you got to do. And so they've got like a couple of these different oxygen things going into me, trying to get me as much oxygen as they can. And so as we pull out, they see that my, my family sees that it's me. And, um, because I had texted him, I said, look, I'm going to get transferred, um, to, uh, uh, to a bigger hospital. And I said, I said, and I, I was able to communicate that with them. And so, um, uh, they thought that, you know, when they pulled out, they were just going to, you know, drive me over there. And when the guy clicked on the lights and the siren, um, my sister told me that they just, her and my mother just were, you know, they knew, they knew I was, that that was bad. And that, um, uh, uh, and it was, uh, at the time, you know, I was in a, I was in a bad state and, and, and uh, my oxygen. And when I got to the uh, new hospital, which was a much bigger hospital that um, did inevitably take absolutely the best care, uh, I think that I could have gotten uh, anywhere. Um, you know, they went to, they immediately went to work on me. Uh, uh, I go, you know, we get to the new hospital fairly quickly. Um, it was still about a 20, 30 minute drive, uh, even with sirens and uh, being able to drive over the speed limit. You know, uh, they, it still was it still was a ride. And uh, uh, anyway, I get there and I'm in the emergency room for a very long time. 
And uh, they kept, you know, asking me if it was okay to put me on a respirator. There was another treatment they were going to try. It was uh, a little experimental, but it was uh, 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 getting some, uh, I can't remember, I want to say it was plasma uh, that was from someone who had uh, survived COVID uh, and was no longer COVID, that they had had some uh, luck with that. Um, they were giving me uh, different steroids. They were giving me different uh, antibiotics. Um, they actually were able to give me some. I was in horrendous pain, and they did give me, uh, uh, I think he gave me morphine uh, at one point in time, uh, three or four times. And, uh, uh, and you know, they kept just following me, and then, um, you know, there were, like I said, there were times where they were asking me if, if it was okay to, to start me on a, on a respirator if needed. Uh, so I had gotten close to that point. Um, and it was just, uh, uh, I was wearing that damn, uh, <laughs> I, I'm grateful for it, but I, again, I'm very claustrophobic. So this, this big giant jockey cup that I kept that I told you the story about before, uh, uh, was on my face and, and they have to clip it pretty snug on your face. So it, it, uh, you know, I was, I always thought scuba diving would be cool. And then I'm sitting there going, eh, I don't know, you know? Um, uh, but anyway, when they clip this thing on your face, basically what it does is the only way I can explain it is it, it's to drive a monstrous amount of oxygen into your lungs. And so it does it in a way that it kind of feels like um, you're swallowing this softball of air that feels good. You know, it feels good going in and it, and it, and it kind of does it every, you know, so often and you're breathing in and breathing it out and you're, you know, uh, uh, and it is a, you know, a, and that's hence the, the, the word it's, you know, that uh, kind of a high output, you know, oxygen. And, uh, so I'm breathing that, um, uh, I get, I get going with that and get going with that. And they, uh, and what really sucked for me the whole time I was there is I, I don't know why they were having such a, they were having a really hard time getting my veins so that they could get blood work. Um, it took them forever. I remember it took over an hour for them to finally get uh, an IV started. Uh, uh, two of them had popped out, one of, and they just were having a hell of a time. And they were supposedly going to have some machine that apparently helps uh, find veins and able to thread a, a needle into your arm, and is kind of how it was explained to me, but. Um, their hospital only had like one or two of those deals. It never got around to me. And these poor nurses kept saying, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. And, uh, I was covered in blood from the ER from the first hospital where the, the guy had, had, uh, uh, was pushing this dye into my body and it blew out the, uh, and just spewed blood all over me. So I'm, uh, and that kept kind of, it wasn't, they kept dropping blood and I looked like I had something that like a, cry, a serial killer crime scene. It was, it was, 
you know, something. Um, so, you know, I go, I go through this and, you know, here's the, the skinny, you know, my, my family basically has, um, can't really get good information at this point. Um, they know I've been taken over there. I'm, I'm trying to get to a point where I could text my, uh, sister and let her know, Hey, look, I, you know, I'm okay. I kind of took, I took a couple pictures that I'm going to put in the book. I took a couple pictures of, of, you know, this mask thing on and, uh, uh, and what it looked like. And, uh, so anyway, uh, I'm trying to communicate with them cause I know they're probably freaking out. And, uh, so I go through and I'm in the, I don't, I couldn't really on, honestly say how long I had been in the, uh, ER. I know it was quite a while. And I know that uh, uh, the folks there, and I remember in the doctor was real, such a cool man. He would come in and he would, you know, he would put his hand on my shoulder. And, you know, he was, they were, we were kind of having to holler at each other because not only did he have on masks and a face shield, but I had on, a, you know, a mask where it was hard for me to talk. And it was hard for me to talk because, you know, it's pushing all this oxygen down your throat down your throat or down your nose. And, uh, it's something that I've never experienced before. So, you, you know, and he was trying to explain to me what I was going to feel and what was going on. And he was telling me he kept, you know, he was really watching my vital signs because he wanted to make sure before he did not want to put me on a respirator unless there was just no other, unless it was his last resort, unless it was the, his last stand to save my life basically. And, uh, we got there a few times where he would, you know, he would say, look, I'm, I'm really close to having to move you over to a respirator, you know, and he would tell me, he said, I'm sorry, but, you know, I, he said, that's, this is going to be the thing that, you know, helps keep you alive and, and keep you breathing. And uh, you're, you're just not responding to any of the things that we're doing as well as I had hoped. And so uh, we went through that a few times and, uh, uh, he would, you know, he would say, okay, let's move him. And then he would say, and then all of a sudden something would change. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm, if as a Christian, I want to believe that, you know, God had a hand in, in saying, eh, not today, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, we went through that a, a lot. Um, again, everybody was uber nice and uber friendly. Uh, and I'm trying to communicate as best I can to my family. So I finally stabilized at one point in time. And I finally, the doctor came in. He said, he said, all right. He said, he said, I think some of the things that we've given you, some of the things that we're doing are actually helping. He said in this he said, I know you don't like this mask. And because I kept telling them I was really claustrophobic. So they were giving me some, some medication to help calm me down and to help me where I wouldn't freak out because it was a, uh, uh, because it was, it was, it was, it was, 
something that I had never experienced. So, all right. So I'm going to need to take a little break here. I didn't realize I'd be able to talk actually this long. I'm going to get a little oxygen and I'm going to come right back and we're going to finish this out. All right. So hang on. I'll be back in a moment. Okay. Thanks for staying with me. All right. So we'll kind of speed up a little bit here and, and they, uh, oh, and if you've never had a COVID-19 test, it's not very much fun either. It doesn't like, it's not, you know, but it, they stick a, this toothbrush up your nose basically. And it, it, it's kind of a funky feeling. So I had gone through that. Uh, not only at the pre at the hospital before, but the next hospital I got to, they had to do another COVID test on me. So um, obviously, I was very positive. So anyway, um, I'm going to get transferred to the COVID-19 floor in the hospital, which was the eighth floor, and uh, I get moved up to uh, to the eighth floor which was, you know, made me breathe easier and made my family breathe easier. Uh, still wasn't out of the woods, but uh, uh, definitely a positive sign that I was out of the ER and out of that, um, basically, uh, for lack of a better word, trauma treatment that I was getting uh, quickly and uh, and just trying to stabilize me enough to even move me to the COVID-19 floor. So I get moved up, uh, I, the respiratory people come and check the, uh, the high flow oxygen and get me kind of fixed up and uh, they give me a little bit more uh, medication that calms me down uh, and uh, helps me relax so that, uh, that I can tolerate everything that's going on um, because they're doing a lot. That's the whole thing is you got several people at one time doing uh, all kinds of things. You got, you got people taking your blood. You got uh, respiratory people adjusting your oxygen. You got doctor listening to your lungs. You know, you've got all kinds of things going on at the same time where, you know, that was somewhat new to me. So it was a little, it was, uh, to say it wasn't scary would be an, uh, an understatement. It was scary. It was scary as hell. Um but I, w- I knew I was in a good place and I knew I was getting good care. And, the, and they were communicating with me at that point very, very well. Um, so I get to my, my room. The, they get me all fixed up. And uh, the nurse was really sweet. Um, it was the girl that, that uh, I had first gotten that uh, was with FEMA. And uh, uh, she was always really nice to me. Um, she asked me, she kind of was feeling my feet. Uh, she goes, you seem a little cold. She goes, I got just the thing. And then comes in with this warm blanket and, uh, uh, covers me with then kind of tucks my feet with this warm blanket and, uh, make sure that I'm warm. And, and, uh, so anyway, they get me fixed up and I'm on this machine and, and, uh, hang on a second. Okay. Sorry about that. I had to to uh, sneeze and get another little thing of oxygen. Um, so basically, I'm there uh, 
for right at a month. Um, I was on this high flow oxygen for a good long time. Um, at, some, at one point in time, I was able to uh, go from this face mask thing to a deal. It was just like you would see in a normal, you know, someone who has normal oxygen, but it's got these big fat blue tubes and it really just blows the oxygen in your nose, which, uh, dries out your nose. It gets to be painful. Um, they, you know, I had some saline that I could spray into it, uh, and that helped a little bit, but it, uh, and they kept a, a you know, they kept water on my, my oxygen, but, uh, and, and what was funny about the whole thing with, with the COVID was, um, and as I was, when I got that, then I was able to talk to people and that was, you know, like two weeks in before I could actually, you know, uh, talk to somebody, say hello, or, uh, you know, answer their question without having to scream into the thing or write it down. And so, uh, that was nice because I met so many nice nurses, you know, from all over the country, um, Two in particular, one from Missouri and another young lady from uh, New York who uh, I'll never forget either one of them. They were both just unbelievable. But there was never, I clashed with a couple of people who came in and started doing things on me without telling me. And it was things that were contradictory, that, that were contradictory to what my doctor had said so it scared the shit out of me because I'm sitting there going whoa 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 this is not what my doctor talked about or said what the hell are you doing you know and and they were you know so I had one young man and he kept calling me pal and finally I had to to tell this kid uh, you know I'm not your effing pal uh, have some respect you know and tell me what the hell you're doing or go get your supervisor and that was the only time that I felt like um, I had gotten somebody that I just clashed with. Everybody else was absolutely uh, the most wonderful uh, thing. And I was sitting there and I got to thinking about it. And I was telling um, one nurse that was helping me, the ones, one of the ones that I really liked, I told her, I said, you know, I kind of got sideways with this kid. And I said, he, he really pissed me off. And I said, he was doing things that were contradictory. And he wouldn't tell me anything. Just tell me to calm down and just let him, you know, he was going to do what he was going to do. And I'm sitting there going, you're pumping shit into my IV. You're changing things into the deal and not telling me what these things are, you know, or what you're doing when I'm asking. So, it, you know, I, and I said, uh, I forget that you guys are going through hell too um, because, you know, some of the nurses would come in and you could see their face and you, and, and when I was able to communicate with them, you know, and I would say, you know, not a great day, is it? And they'd look at me and say, no, not really. And I'd say, well, I know you can't tell me too much. I said, but I said, you know, I, I said, I, and most of them would tell you, you know, we've just never gone through this. This is so much, 
you know, and some of these folks had had breaks in literally months, you know, we're working 10, 12 hour shifts with no break, you know, because at the end of their shift, they were so tired, they just basically passed out of sleep. And then all of a sudden, alarms going off, and you're taking a shower and going right back to work, you know, and, uh, and then the stress level, because here's the thing, you know, and this is what, why I'm part of my uh, problem with, uh, you know, the, the, what went on with this COVID thing is, you know, we had this false sense of, of, of security. And uh, uh, so we went and got my mother. So now let's bring her into the picture. So I'm probably a week or so in the hospital. And my sister is texting me that my mom is really sick. So I said, well, the, the nurses here are telling me don't take her to the small hospital where I started. Take her directly there. And finally she got sick enough because my mother's one of those people that will piss you off. And I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, and, and you know, be at death's door, you know. And uh, so she finally agreed to go. We got her there. And what was uh, incredibly ironic is that uh, she, uh, once they get her through the system through ER, um, she's actually, they're starting a second because COVID was really running rampant where we were. So they had opened up another floor for COVID patients. They had filled up the floor I was on and now they were going on to floor two to fill it up with COVID patients that they had already in their ER. And so they get ready and they move my mom. And she is literally in the room above mine. And uh, so anyway, um, my one of my doctors was so cool. I told her that, you know, I said, my mom is, is here. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she goes, but what's her name? She goes, let me go check on her. So my doctor actually came came back and told me what was going on. And here's the thing with COVID-19. And here's where um, it pisses me off because, you know, you you get these stories in the media of what how COVID affects people. And honestly, it if there it is like for me, it attacked my respiratory system for my mother. It was more her intestinal stuff, although she did, you know, it did. she was having a hard time breathing. Um, it, it was more, she suffered more from her stomach. Um, and people, it just affected people in different ways, you know. And uh, they kept saying how, you know, people her age were more, more likely to die, um, you know. And yet she was in the hospital after me and she was out of the hospital before me and uh uh and thank god you know that that um uh she was able to live through this you know and and able to come home uh she's actually recovering quicker than i am 
uh, we're actually in separate uh, homes uh, uh, so that that we could uh, uh, recover uh, and not get each other sick again, although we're both COVID negative. Uh, I was COVID negative a week before they uh, discharged me from the hospital or they had checked to make sure that I was negative. And uh, uh, so anyway, the uh, uh, the doctors were telling me, and as I could talk to the nurses and the doctors, you know, they were, they were telling me that, you know, it didn't, that it affected, it didn't matter, you know, like there was a 24-year-old kid that was in excellent shape, had, you know, exercised, you know, was uh, uh, not a health issue at all, and he was sicker than I was, and I was one of the sickest patients on their floor, and the uh, this, this young man um, was having a much harder time. The gentleman there was in the room beside me, um, a Hispanic gentleman was having um, the same horrid issues I was having, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, it just, and then, you know, like my mom, it, like I said, it, she was having more trouble with her tummy than she was anything else. So, um, you know, and the kid that was it, you know, there was people that were there that were sicker than me. There were people there that weren't as sick as me. But, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, I, the doctors and things were explaining to me that, you know, it it, it affects people in different ways. And it's uh, it was indiscriminate. It wasn't, you know, uh, uh, it didn't attack one group worse than another as far as they could tell, you know, that. It just, if you were going to get it, guess what? You were going to get it. And certainly, you know, like, and my sister smokes, uh, you know, and, and I'm certain that because, I mean, she smoked since she was a young teenage girl. I mean, we've all tried to get her to quit. We, you know, and it's just, you, it, it is what it is. Uh, certain that anybody who has someone who smokes in their family, uh, wishes they would quit, but, you know, if they're not gonna, they're not gonna, uh, you know, and, uh, so, you know, I was very frightened for, you know, you heard things in the media that people who smoke or have lung damage, uh, uh, seniors, like my mother, um, uh, that this was basically a, uh, almost a death sentence for them, and, uh, uh, that's just, uh, certainly I would imagine I'm not a doctor, nor am I going to make any suggestion like that, but I saw, I, I heard about people, you know, from all walks of life, from all different age groups, uh, and this 24 year old kid was sicker than anybody on my, on the floor I was on. And, uh, then there were people that, uh, that left my floor that had to be put on a respirator, you know, because they just didn't get any better that were in their twenties, thirties and forties, you know, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, I certain that people with lower immune systems and things like that, you know, but, you know, thank God for our family. My mother got through it, got through the hospitalization. My sister, 
you know, and this is what you have to imagine with COVID-19. If you haven't had anything or anything and you're bitching about wearing a mask and, and these kind of things, think about this for a minute. My, my sister now has her brother and her mother, um, which, you know, we don't really have. I mean, we've got other family, but we, it's been kind of us for most of our lives. Um, you know, uh, uh, my, my dad, and just before I got ready to go into the hospital, um, a couple days before, um, I found out my dad has stage four cancer and was beginning his treatment and is currently getting, uh, cancer treatments every week. And he was in as a diabetic, which I am too, um, his, his, he, he can't take chemo, um, because his kidneys have shut down because of, of his diabetes and that's a whole other issue. And so it was something really hard for us to get. Now you've got that going on. My sister, the two people that, that she basically are a part of or the closest part of her life are now in the hospital with a disease that could potentially kill you. And she's by herself. You know, I mean, it's a six hour drive for any other family member to come here. Uh, and the one that would have uh, is having to get cancer treatments. So, you know, uh, it was it was quite a quite a scary ordeal for her. So she's got just people that I work with that were amazing to help her. Um, and she can't get through on the phone sometimes to find out uh, how we're doing, or they're just giving her very vague uh, information. So I can't imagine what she went through, you know. Uh, I know that there were times where she said she, you know, broke down and, and you know, basically lost, you know, as we all put it, we you know, you lose your shit. And, uh, you know, she doesn't know... Uh, whether the two people she's closest to in her, in her life are, are even going to come home, you know? And, uh, uh, so I was very worried in the hospital for that. I was also worried, you know, for my mother. Um, but the doctors were able to let me know that she actually, once they got her started on the, uh, remdesivir, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, once she started on that, she actually responded to it very well. And she was taking steroids just like I was. And uh, what I think has has exacerbated some of my stuff is I'm diabetic. And the steroids that they put me on uh, and some of the things they were doing were raising my blood sugar levels to really dangerous. Like there were times when my blood sugar was as high as 500. Um, For those of you, anything, you know, 70 to 100 is kind of normal. and so, uh, but my blood sugar, you know, I was having to get insulin shots, uh, three, four five times a day, uh, because my blood sugar kept elevating so high and I was getting, uh, quite a bit. I was getting a, a long acting insulin and a, then just insulin and, uh, uh, was getting shots. I was having to get shots, uh, uh, in my, of course, my, my stomach just basically was black from all the insulin shots and the, uh, was having to get another shot because it, you get blood clots real easy. 
the pneumonia that I had was horrid uh, because I, I had I had uh, uh, basically it was it, it, the COVID had had uh, uh, I, I had turned into pneumonia in my lungs, and so uh, it just was an utter mess. And finally, I started to stabilize and. Uh, uh, and I had gone through all the regiments of uh, antibiotics that I could possibly take. They had got me through. I was having to take steroids still. Uh, I was certainly having to take my diabetes medicine, but I was able to basically get off the high flow oxygen and onto regular oxygen. Um, my O2 saturation in my bloodstream uh, is still uh, not very good, uh, so that's why I have to uh, stop and, and breathe in my oxygen, and uh, because it drops down into the 80s, and uh, uh, it should be somewhere 97, 98, uh, 99%, and it uh, it gets there with the oxygen, but it doesn't. Uh, uh, it doesn't stay there unless I keep the oxygen on. And I've been home now uh, a couple weeks. Uh, this is really the first time where I felt strong enough or could, you know, put my oxygen down long enough to actually talk. And I really need to be doing this. I really need to be, you know, I try to get up and move about and and uh, so that, you know, I can uh, hopefully soon get off. You know, there is substantial damage to my lungs. Uh you know, probably going to be on oxygen for a while, uh, you know, but I would like to get my strength back so that I can, uh, uh, was able to sit up, uh, enough today to, um, uh, you know, I want to write about this and, and, uh, uh, talk in more detail about, uh, what we went through and what we went through as a family, uh, um, but, you know, if you've got a family member and, and you know, it, it, what sucks is, is that, you know, how, how many, this whole thing, I'm sitting there, you know, and it makes you think about this stuff, you know, how many families have lost somebody where there was no way that you could go tell them goodbye? You know, there's no way, like, I could, like, right now my dad's going through this horrid thing. There's no way I could go see him, one, because I don't have the strength to do it, but two... He's already in a f incredibly fragile state, you know. I, I, and you know, unless I had a fresh COVID test, I wouldn't, you know. I, I would, I, you know. Do you go and 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 put him at risk, you know? And then if he goes in the hospital, I can't go tell him anything. I can't go tell him goodbye. I can't go hold his hand. I can't, you know. And that's the same thing with me. My sister couldn't. If something was going to happen, she would have had to have found out, and that would have been that. So I want to write about that in more detail and greater length, and that's why, you know, I wanted to to, to I hadn't been on, uh, you know, it's been a couple of months since I posted a, a podcast, so I just was like, you know, I want to get on here and talk to folks that, you know, and let you know, hey, I didn't, 
forget to do my podcast, you know, but I did go through some, you know, it's, it's been a lot and I want to share that experience so that people don't fear, you know, have as much fear, you know, with, uh, what's going on and to say that, you know, if there's little things that we need to do for now, whether we like it or don't like it, you know, um, just do it. You know, the one thing that, that they shared with me in the hospital that was the most important thing that you could possibly do is wash your hands. Wash your hands. And wash your hands as many times a day as you possibly can. You know, and uh, uh, not touch hard surfaces, you know, that you need to clean at home. You need to clean hard surfaces. It's not so much your pillow and linens that you need to worry about is much as it is like in this is, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be, this is not gross, but you know, if you have a family, everybody, you need to put and keep Clorox wipes in the restroom and everybody needs to wipe the toilet seat, you know, and this helps prevent, and this helps prevent spreading, uh, if someone's sick. So if you go to the bathroom, then you need to clean the toilet seat and do that and wash your hands. Obviously, we wash our hands after we go to the restroom, no doubt. But if you come in from outside, if you've been to the store, if you've done something, gone to a convenience store, wash your hands. Keep some antibacterial uh, stuff in your car and and clean your hands. And, uh, you know, that was the one thing that they told me when I go home to keep my sister from getting sick. Uh, and to keep me from get, getting sick again because my sister uh, didn't go in the hospital is that we needed to wash our hands, clean the toilet seats, clean hard surfaces, use plastic ware uh, and, pl- and paper plates to eat from and just throw them away and not, you know, and not share, you know, a Coke, not share, you know, hey, let me have a drink of that, you know, uh, and... Uh, those were the things that, that, you know, um, that you may not do as much if there wasn't COVID-19, you know, you may, and you may not even think to go, wow, why am I cleaning it? But they told me a big, big deal is cleaning the toilet seat, uh, after you've gone to the restroom, you know, is wiping it with a Clorox wipe and chuck that away. And uh, keep that clean for the next person to come in because that's how um, disease is spread around. And so um, we, uh, we thought, you know, we, 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 we just do those things, you know. And if wearing a mask, if you hate wearing a mask and everybody's saying a mask is bullshit, you got half the country saying a mask is bullshit and half the country, you know, uh, you see people driving down the road with a mask in their car, you know, with nobody else in the car. And you're going, dude, you're in the car, you know. And if it's, if that gives you a sense of security, then great. Who gives a shit? Who am I to judge? You know, but when you're out in public and you're doing these things and whether you agree with it or don't, you know, I'm sitting there going, you know, I got sick with this shit. I don't know if a mask... Because, you know, when I would go to Walmart and shit like that, yes, I would wear a mask, you know. But there were other times where, you know, uh, there was nobody in Walmart wearing a mask, you know. So you didn't wear a mask or you took it off because, 
you know, it was, you know, you get dizzy breathing, you know, in it and just whatever. And, you know, then you get that, well, I ain't wearing a damn mask. Nobody else wearing a damn mask. I ain't wearing a stupid mask. Well, I'm not saying that's what can get you sick. But if it if it is or isn't, you know, do you really want to take that chance? So, you know, for now, wear the freaking mask. You know, for now, social distance. Don't get, you know, and, and so you see people get tired of doing stuff like that because it's out of the norm. But then you're going, come on now. Hang on just a sec. Got to get some oxygen. Okay, so I'm back. Um, and I, I really just kind of need to cut this one off anyway. So um, I, if you have questions, you certainly can reach me through the website and send me a question. You know, I'll be happy to share with you my experience uh, in the hospital. I can say unequivocally that I received the top-notch care. I mean, it just, it was, uh, I think that, that the doctors and nurses were doing everything they could given what they had to work with, uh, which, you know, the information and the things that are coming together, I mean, I know that every day they get a little smarter about what's, uh, they get a little more information, they get a little more, you know, uh, ahead of the curve, as you, I guess, they call it, um, but the the doctors that I had from FEMA were amazing. The nurses that I had from FEMA were amazing, and uh, everybody was always uh, nice. They talked to me. They explained to me what they knew, what they didn't know, what they could do, what they could, and you know, it just uh, it was quite something. Um, you know, uh, it, it's hit my family. Uh, and again, you know, for me and my mother to be able to come home, uh, and knowing that there are other families that that didn't occur. And, uh, I, I don't take this lightly and I certainly don't take it for granted. And, uh, so, you know, I, 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 I feel blessed and privileged. That's why I want to put all this in a book. So I'm going to, I'm, I've already started, uh, making a lot of notes. I've already started, uh, putting some stuff together and, and I just want to talk about it and, and, and put some stuff out there and, and, you know, help educate folks that, uh, that, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's scary. Um, there's things that you got to be prepared for, you know, uh, it's, you know, all these people come to you. It's like I said, you feel like you're in the movie outbreak, you know, uh, you got people coming to you with all this clothing on and, and, uh, uh, this protection equipment and things like that. And, and they're trying to talk to you through it and you're trying to talk to them through it or through, or through whatever, you know, uh, things they have on you, uh, so, and it just, uh, it's surreal, it's, it's pretty damn, uh, uh, on one side it's pretty scary, and on another you're grateful to God that those things exist so that you can get the appropriate health care that you need, um, 
I, I pray for the families that are going through COVID. I pray for those that are uh, that have family members, or I pray for you if you're uh, sick with it. Um, do everything that you're supposed to do. Do not play with this. This is not something to take for granted. This is not something where, oh, hell, it ain't ever going to happen to me. You know, uh, once I got sick uh, and there had been other people that I work with that had gotten sick beforehand, but of the 30 odd people in my office, uh, everybody but two got sick. So to think that it doesn't happen to me or that uh, it's not going to happen to me or I ain't wearing this damn mask or I ain't doing this. And I'm not saying the mask is the thing that's going to keep you from getting it. It's not, you know. But if it, it does in some small way or it gives people around you a sense of peace that, you know, that they can shop without feeling like they're going to get sick or not knowing. Because here's the thing. When, when you're standing in, in, in the store, I, I, I honestly don't know whether you're sick or not. I don't know you. So, you know, if I feel a little more comfortable in knowing that at least you're wearing a damn mask, you know, okay. So I'm not, I'm not such an asshole that I don't do it just for people to feel more at ease. You know, because this is this is not something that, you know, I ain't going to screw it, but I, I, ain't, I ain't on this earth to make you feel good. Well, no, but we all have to live on this earth together. And we all have to live together. So, you know, if I can't do that for a fellow countryman, you know, you're going to tell me that 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 if somebody got really hurt, you'd go, shit, I don't know, let some bitch bleed out, you know. Or if some kid got hit by a car, God forbid. And you could make use of your belt as a tourniquet or you could uh, uh, take off your jacket to prop a kid's head up or something that you wouldn't do these things. Because imagine if you weren't in a situation and it was your family member that needed assistance. And everybody took the same attitude you took. I'd eh, let them bleed out. Screw them. I wouldn't put on this earth to help you. You know, I ain't got to do that shit. And it was your mother laying there. It was your dad laying there. It was your sister laying there. It was your wife, your husband, your kid. And everybody walked past them with the same attitude that you might have. Now that's some bullshit. So if me wearing a mask and, and, and if it does save someone's life or save mine, <laughs> when you get right down to it, because at this point, I don't think anybody really knows, you know, I don't think anybody really knows what the effect's going to be. And now that it's mutating into something different, you know, and if it is a weaponized thing, who's to say they're not juicing up something else? 
just bloody. Now you see why the hell people are uh, going, you know, chemical weapons. Yeah, that needs to be something horrible happened to you for developing that. But at the end of the day, we have to survive. We have to do the things that we're going to do. So, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, use some hand sanitizer, do the things that they're asking you to do. Is it that big a deal? At, at the end of the day, no, it's not. Because I can tell you, laying in the hospital um, and asking you if they can put you on a respirator, because basically that's the last hope that you got. Because I flat out asked, is there anything else? No, this is our last hope. You're not responding to anything else. So, will I be a little more diligent in following the procedures that, you know? Because there's some of those guys up there that I don't agree with. That I think have another agenda. Sure. But, you know, I, I, you know, you want to believe the information that you're getting for the Center for Disease Control is good information, that it's not being manipulated by the government. You want to believe that there are people there that give a shit that, you know, I'm okay. You're okay. So... If they say do these things or we have to, to do certain things, you know, yes, I'm distraught because I don't want people to lose their businesses. I don't want restaurants to shut down forever, you know, and I feel for more than ever, I feel for people who, who've lost their job can't work. You're on a, a lockdown, you know, that makes no sense. I think if we do the things that, you know, I think if you wear, I, I mean, who, if you can stay at home and be locked down or you can wear a mask, which one are you going to choose? You can go to work, not get too close to other people. Everybody kind of, you know, keep their, their area clean, you know, Make sure nobody's, you know, got a temperature, those type of things. But you got a job and you got your paycheck. Or you can sit at home with no paycheck. So, you know, do I agree with some of the stuff that's going on? Absolutely not. Do I agree with the safety things now more than, more so than ever? Absolutely no matter how stupid I think something is or how much of a pain in the ass I might think it is or how much, God dang, I got to go back to the car and get my flipping mask because I can't go in the store. Well, I'd a whole hell of a lot rather be able to go to the damn store, forget my mask in the car, I have to walk back out and get my mask, come back and go in the store than to be sitting at my home Drawing no paycheck, wondering what the hell are we going to do. Looking in the refrigerator going, oh shit. Looking at my bank account, 
and go and crying and going, what the hell? How are we going to survive? Because it took how many more months? And I made too much money to get a stimulus check, so it doesn't mean anything to me anyway. Yet I've been out of work for two months, going on three. Would a $600 injection into my budget help? Absolutely. Would a $2,000 check would have been life-changing for my family right now. So we all could use help and we all need help. I will, uh, like I said, I will happy to answer anyone's questions. Uh, you can go to my website, which is robertbruton.com. There's also, it should be a link in the show. Uh, you can also send me a voice uh, through on the, on the show's website. Um, you, can, uh, you can actually send me a voice message and I'll respond back. I always do. If you leave me your email, I'll be happy to share anything that I have uh, as far as resources and information, uh, always. So I'll probably do a couple more shows about this. I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to get something out today. Uh, I know it's kind of mishmashy and gone from here to there and that kind of thing. Uh, so forgive me. I know I had to stop a lot, and I know that you probably hear uh, this, my oxygen machine is, is, it's this electric thing and it kind of runs and it makes its own oxygen. And, uh, so if you heard that in the background or heard me breathing into my mask, cause I was running out of breath, which I'm about to do, um, you know, and let's just call it a day. All right. This is the Robert Bruton podcast show, and I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm going to do some more shows. I'll let everybody know when, uh, my new book's going to be available. Um, I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to work with that to, uh, uh, help, but I want, uh, uh, the proceeds, part of the proceeds to, uh, help folks. So we'll figure that out as we go. But, uh, for now, we're just, I'm just grateful to be here. So this is Robert Bruton. Bye for now.